episode is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash TFN for your free audiobook download. The following is a presentation from your friends at Forcecast.net. It's the Forcecast. Home to the official podcast of the Force.net. I feel the Force. And Rebelscum.com. You rebel scum. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome to the Forcecast, your weekly dose of Star Wars news and much more. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. All systems have been alerted to your presence, sir. Check it out, Corporal. Roger, Roger. Now it's time for the Weekly Forcecast. We would be honored if you would join us. Well, have you cooled off yet, Jimmy Mac? <laughs> oh, for crying out loud, a man. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I, You know, like I said last week, I'm not going to be ranting and... And raging every week here on the Forcecast, but I still have a few stones left to overturn uh, before the night is over with. But, uh, but uh, you know, and, and of course, you're referring to my big uh, anti-hater rant last week. And down uh, with the haters! Cup, uh, down, down with the haters! Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really excited tonight because tonight is a rarity on the Forcecast. We're gonna be uh, opening up the phone lines to take your questions. So without further ado, let's just get right to it right now. I'm going to punch up our first caller. And it looks like uh, we got Ben from California on the line with us. Ben, what's your question for the Forcecast? Um, Yes. Hello? Am I on? Yeah, Ben. Yes, you are on live. Right. I'm very nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can understand Um, you are listening to very powerful, influential members of the Star Wars media, but uh, we will we will hold your hand. I'm excited, though. I'm I'm wondering what does what does Jimmy eat when he does the Force cast? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a very good question, Ben, and it could be anything from a full Thanksgiving dinner to a granola bar and and anything in between. What do you like to eat when you listen to the Force cast, Ben? Something crunchy. <laughs> doesn't matter doesn't what it is. It just has to be crunchy. Well, Ben, doesn't that affect your ability to be able to listen to us if you, you have all that crunching going on in your ears? It's like the rebels' footsteps on Hoth. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, because they did through watch the through snow. You know, I I, I, I see another micro or a microcast or forecast spinoff podcast here. Uh, with with Ben from California, I, I think that the world according to Ben from California is a show that we need to hear. I, what are you up for, it, Ben? I I would be. Uh, <laughs> I do some impressions. I do impressions. You do. Let's let's hear one. I do. I do. Uh, I do a good. Um, OC Sobe. So soba, soba. soba. Uh, it's, it's tough. Yeah, it's one of those Star Wars names. I think it's OC Sobek. O.C. Sobek. O.C. Sobek. Yeah. The new villain on the Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah. We'll try that one. The Jedi are finished. They'll never escape the Citadel. Is that good? Well, I thought you were going to be, I thought you were going to be terrible, but you know, it's, it's pretty close. It's pretty close, but I think you need to go back and listen to the episodes again, but it's, it's close. It's past. There's definitely no James Arnold Taylor. That's for sure. 
I, I do a good, I do a good James Arnold. I do a good, ah, uh, Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. From OC to Obi. Be, because, yeah, Ben, we have the same name. It's nice. Right. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you must be mindful of the force, my young Padawan learners. Uh, what? That's all right. Jim? I've definitely heard better. <laughs> I think Dee Bradley Baker does a way better Obi-Wan, but... Uh, oh, I, I enjoy him. He's good. He's those, the cloners. Clones. Cloners. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Ben, I'm sorry to interrupt this little uh, love fest, but we've got a date. Jimmy Mack and I, we got to go to the cantina to meet with Mr. James Arnold Taylor, okay? Oh, tell him hello. Will do. And if you could... If you could ask him what he likes to enjoy uh, eating and drinking when he does the, the show. The show. I, we'll, we'll get right to that. All right. Thanks Thank for you. calling, Ben. <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars Cantina. Where are you going, Master? For a drink. Sorry about the mess. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. <laughs> All right, in the cantina where we can <laughs> separate ourselves from Ben from California. No, that was James Arnold Taylor, our good buddy, and of course the voice of uh, Obi Wan Kenobi and others. Now on the Clone Wars, uh, James, great to have you back on the Forcecast. Thanks for uh, having fun with us. Oh, please, thank you. Yeah, Ben uh, is a, is a great guy. He's a fun <laughs> person to live in for a very short amount of time. <laughs> Well, no, it was great to hear your OC Sobek. Uh, that was that was that was a definitely a treat. Um, yeah, that's fun. So I was just watching the commentary um, at StarWars.com dot mm-hmm. for this particular episode, and and Dave uh, Dave Filoni is taking credit. I just don't want you to know Dave Filoni is taking uh-huh. credit for putting the bug in your ear to make this a bit of an homage to uh, to Christopher Walken. Now we all know what an egomaniac Dave Filoni is. <laughs> Actually, one of the most humble, no, that is nice guys. But what, is that is that the case? Was that uh, Dave's idea for the character? Absolutely. Yeah, I uh, I remember it vividly. Um, I got a <laughs> I got a call, I believe, and it was uh, James. I want you to think about if a character was inspired by, say, Christopher Walken, what they might sound like. So what I did was I got in the studio. He sent me the uh, copy for it. I got the script. Uh, just a couple pages of the script, and uh, I got to do various versions of OC in various forms of Christopher Walken states. And so then that, <laughs> I gave him probably three or four versions, and then he landed on that particular one that he liked the most. And when we went to the session, he then played that and said, this is the one I like. Do this, do that, change this up, make it, you know. So no, it was all Dave. It, it, was, it was all Dave completely. Now, when you say states of Walken, I mean, are you talking about like, ex- <laughs> you know, the extreme Christopher Walken to a, a uh, more literal uh, version? Is that what you're talking about? You know, the thing is about him is the way he talks and enunciates and, you know, does everything with the script that you give. So, uh, yeah, I would, you know, I, I, one was maybe, you know, more blatant to just destroy the Jedi, you know, and then right. one was more, you know, I think even more of a destroy the Jedi and then, you know, you have the OC that we have, which is kind of – somebody said it's almost like Al Pacino and Christopher Walken, you know, yeah, together. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah so there is, is a – yeah, right. 
<laughs> who would have who would have guessed if you take Christopher Walken and a Star Wars uh, villain and mash them together, you get Al Pacino. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that says about Al Pacino. But uh, and no, Al Pacino never used to sound like that, but now he's changed. What's now going he's on with that? Great Scott Marty. <laughs> Yeah. What's going on with the Pacino? I mean, you go back and you watch like the Godfather That's films, rapid. and he's so understated. Now he's just a madman. He's screaming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's my brother Fredo. Yeah. Fredo, I love you. You know, I mean, he's right. up there, and now, now he's going okay. Nani, nani, boo, 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 all right, you know. Yeah. Oh, James, so was you ever actually consciously thinking Pacino, or was it just a gruff version of walking all the way through? It was just a gruff version of Walken, and it wasn't until the first episode aired and somebody on my Facebook had put that, and I thought, oh, my gosh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it was just that kind of combination, and it was really just taking the isms of Christopher Walken, how he, you know, the way he ends sentences and stuff, <laughs> and it was a fun thing to do. It was really cool of Dave to to do that. So, you know, it was um, it was a cool character. I, I'm... Uh, Happy to do him. Without revealing anything, because, you know, we, we, we're always skating on the thin ice as far as that's concerned anyway. But we, you obviously do a lot of impersonations. With the success of the Sobek character, could we be seeing maybe another <laughs> mashup of one of your impersonations made into a unique character for Clone Wars? Wow, I don't know. That would be fun. We'll have to see. Uh, you know, I mean, Dave... Dave is always working on something exciting and he just has fun with us in the studio. You know, he'll go, so what if this sounded like, you know, uh, Johnny Depp or this sounded like Michael J. Fox or this, whatever. And, you know, he, he has each of us run through our little things, uh, you know, (laughs) the voices that we do sometimes, but it's usually just for fun. You know, it's, it's with the lines we have as Obi-Wan or Anakin or, cause you know, Matt Lanter, by the way, does all sorts of voices and people, people would be surprised how many places Matt ends up in the show doing voices. And there's a lot of scenes. I was thinking of putting together a little cut up of uh, those videos and put them on my YouTube of the scenes that Matt and I have done of like ancillary background characters, drunk guys in bars and <laughs> pirates and stuff that we're both having these conversations. It's like Anakin and Obi-Wan in a different light. But oh, uh, so, so now, yeah. so when you have a, a scene like that, James, where you've got background characters and, you know, to us, Watching the show, it just kind of sounds like, you know, mumble, 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 rumble, rumble, rumble. Are you actually recording yeah. stuff for that, like real dialogue? Yeah, Walla is what we call it. We call it Walla, W-A-L-L-A, or, um, you know, looping and stuff. But generally, it's Walla. And Dave always actually really enjoys doing those scenes because he goes, you know, it's always funny to do these crowd scenes. You think you get all these voice actors in a room together and have them just mumble things. You think it's going to just be a train wreck, but it ends up really working you know when we do these uh large crowd scenes and stuff where they, he'll just basically go okay on three one two three and then we all just kind of go yeah, and it's right. it's amazing if you could isolate each of those tracks and find out what some people are saying i don't know <laughs> you'd be surprised but yeah we're all just doing different things and you know you started with walla it would be peas and carrots they said because that was basically what people would say in the background peas and carrots peas and carrots peas and carrots so it just sounds like you're talking but nowadays yeah we will actually kind of have conversations with each other i remember the last time we had to do it a few weeks back ashley and i were standing next to each other so we're sitting there staring at each other kind of doing these you know like arguments and and conversations with each other just you know doing different voices it's really fun yeah the character that you play with uh with sobek 
in addition to it being inspired by Walken, there's been, as far as the visuals are concerned, there's some folks talking about the Pink Panther films and the, uh, not the Inspector. <laughs> Who am I thinking of? Uh, Herbert Lom. Uh, is that the name of the, uh-huh. of the actor from the Pink Panther movies? What is his character's name? Um, Chief Inspector. Uh, uh, the chief, chief inspector. The, the chief, yeah, right. Yeah, with the twitchy eye. With the twitchy eye. Did you know that Hip some of those little my nodes? <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that some of those uh, physical uh, ticks and whatnot were going to be incorporated into the character when you were working? When you were working when on the voice? we, yeah, when we recorded, I didn't get pictures of of OC when I first came up. You know, with kind of the concept of what I was going to do, and gave Dave those options. Um, but when we got to the session to do it. Then, uh, then they showed me a picture of him, and they always have these great pictures of each character kind of standing there. They'll have their arms stretched and then standing, and they'll usually be next to like a clone, so you can get a reference of what their height is and what they look like, and and all that, and some great facial things. So I got to see it from there, and I was like, wow, this is a great looking character. So, mm. uh, but uh, yeah, all all credit to Dave Filoni on that. It was it was very cool. Any chance that uh, some of these outtakes that you're talking about uh, will ever see the light of day? Are they are they running tape on a lot of this stuff? <laughs> the, you know, I'm I'm hoping to um, I'm hoping to put together some outtakes for uh, maybe Star Wars weekends this year because oh, people really? have been asking about that. So yeah, but uh, we'll see. The problem is, is you know, we we do the show and we're always a year kind of behind what you all get to see. Yeah. So. Anything I record now, I really, you know, like if we're in a uh, session now, anything we record can't really be seen unless you take out any of the dialogue. But that could be kind of funny. So, <laughs> yeah. Or if it's just the generic stuff that D says all the day. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. You know? Right, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> or right. me going, Anakin. You know, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's, in fact, the last session I was at, we were just all having a great time. It was me and Matt and Corey Burton and, and TC uh doing you know mace windu and uh, yeah, we were we were having a, a very good time so we were goofing off but uh, uh i wish you all could see all that i wish we could do like a live podcast but <laughs> alas we <Yeah>. cannot <laughs> they do run camera now, you, though most of the time something i've always wanted to see and i wonder if she still does this but ashley says that when she's when her character, when Ahsoka is using a lightsaber, Ashley will hold a pencil and actually move around like she's she has a lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, number yeah. one, why hasn't merchandising gotten her her own lightsaber, her own like master <laughs> instead of the pencil? That seems rather cheap. And, and, and B, have have they been shooting footage of her doing that? Because I really want to see that. <laughs> there is some footage of her doing that, I think. Um, it might be somewhere. Uh, but, yeah, I, I know I've seen it before. So, And she does do it, definitely. She does. She has the pencil there. Because, you know, the pencil is easy to get. But, yeah, they should have – they also need to come up with both the replicas of now she has the two because I dig that shorter lightsaber she has now. You know? Yeah. So yeah. that one would be perfect. She'll be in the studio whipping that thing around. You guys would be ducking, you yeah. know. D would take it right to <laughs> the nose and stuff. And, now, see, that would be that would be the type of blooper I'd like to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they do have video. You were saying, James, that they do have video cameras uh, in the studio. That so they are running. They're not just running audio, obviously, but they're running uh, video on you guys as well. So. Yeah, for a good portion of things, just so the artists can see, you know, some of the movements, especially if there's a new character or someone that they haven't animated in a while, they might, you know, put it on uh, on us and have the camera there to see. I think they did that with OC, you know, uh, no. to see some of the movements I did and stuff. It's always kind of fun to see those movements come across, 
you know, in, uh, in the show too. You certainly see it with Obi-Wan because they have plenty of footage of me grabbing my chin and stroking <laughs> my beard. Going, right. yes, yeah. be mindful, you know. <laughs> right, right. Now having, having a camera like that in the studio, is that a common occurrence these days in, in all animation or is that just something yeah. more or less exclusive to Clone Wars sessions? No, it is uh, actually something you do see quite a bit, and I think it does help the animators throughout. But, uh, yeah, you've gotten pretty used to it now as a voice actor. You get used to the fact that you're going to have a camera right on your face. I did this one film that has not yet come out, and uh, strangely enough, it's, it's me and Charlie Sheen <laughs> and uh, Christopher Lloyd and uh, Hilary Duff and uh, several other people. It's called Food Fight, and, uh, I mean, we recorded it a couple years ago, and that film was done all motion capture where there was a video camera on our faces and the our scripts were actually on the on the camera they had it as a um what a teleprompter Uh so you had to look directly into the camera to see your lines and that way they captured your face and your movements so every mouth movement every every eye movement everything was captured and then animated later so it was pretty cool technology and you're seeing more of that stuff come into play with uh, a lot of animated shows so much has been made about rango and how they actually acted out a lot of the scenes in the studio i mean they really went nuts and That's acted right. it out ian Abercrombie, uh who is the voice of the emperor uh, on our show he is in rango and he was telling us how he play he plays an owl in it uh a british owl how strange <laughs> that ian would play that and uh he said that it was really awesome they just they spent like a week just shooting it just like a regular film and they were mic'd with lapel mics and booms and they oh they weren't doing it at all like a voiceover thing and so it was considered an on-camera job and then wow. they animated that way so yeah it's uh pretty cool yeah but do you find when you're just doing exclusive voiceover work and there, you know, the inclusion of the camera in the studio is there, does that amp up your performance a little bit to where you find yourself acting more or less if, if you were in front of a camera or on a stage? Yeah. Yeah. I'll admit I'm a ham. I, you know, <laughs> I, what I tend to do is between the takes, I talk to the camera because I, f- I feel bad for those people that are having to sit there and watch, you know, <laughs> like hours of somebody just standing there talking. So I'll go like, ah, oh, this is really thrilling for you. Ah, now look, oh yeah, I'm, I'm adjusting my hair. I'm, you know, I'm getting a sip of water, you know. So I just kind of narrate the entire session to the camera. But um, no, it's I do actually find that sometimes I will animate myself a little bit more. No pun intended. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk. Let's talk to. We know that you are also, in addition to being a member of the of the of the cast, you're also a big Star Wars fan. And we have seen some pretty heavy yeah. stuff come down from the Clone Wars uh, in this latter half of uh, of season three. The, you know, Savage Press, mm-hmm. uh, the the mm-hmm. confirmation that Darth Maul is out there and running around. Yeah. Uh, those that read the comic book, uh, assume, assuming that he's on the uh, metal legs. Um, but, uh, who, who knows we, the, the Mortis trilogy, I mean, talk about some yeah. heavy, heavy stuff there. And then we just wrapped up Citadel trilogy. So, um, James, let's, let's start with, uh, actually, I want to talk about Mortis trilogy a little bit because I'm uh-huh. curious as to what direction Dave might've been giving you guys in terms of playing this as if it's real or playing this as if. Was he having you change your characterizations at all? Were they exaggerated versions of the characters? Or was it just playing it as if it's totally happening to those folks? That's a great question. Um, no, we were playing it as it was just happening. You know, uh, 
and it was I believe Christian Taylor had written the uh, the script of that, and you know we were we were just talking about the whole thing when we were recording it as wow, this is a trip, you know what is this? This is the thing, and of course this is what we were talking about at celebration with you guys about wow, you know just wait, just you wait till you see this stuff. Yeah, and I know that there's been a lot of debate kind of almost in that the category of lost of, you know, well, you know, what is this stuff? Is this a dream? What is real? What isn't? And, uh, but no, we were playing it all as though everything is, is what it is. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how I saw it. I, I certainly, when I did, I will say that when I did the scenes with, um, Qui-Gon, I, I purposely kind of reverted. I, I went to, I went to a younger, you know, uh, Obi-Wan, Mm. Uh, in in feel as though he kind of you know reverted back to his he's with his master so he I softened my tone I you know did that but I was very aware that that was you know somewhat of a dream for Obi Wan there so uh-huh. um, I thought well that's kind of appropriate then if he if he reverts a bit back you know you're right about one thing master the negotiations were short you know that right. softer yes. you know, younger feel so. Um, you know that was that was the thought there, but everything else was just done. You know, as we would any other show, and and what a what a cool story it was to have uh, be involved in. We we were kind of joking though because Obi Wan, Matt and I <laughs> kept joking about Obi Wan in it because in the first episode, the first two episodes. He's just kind of like, I don't see anything. I'm just right here. What do we do now? You know, he was just like, Obi-Wan was just like, duh. Okay. Yeah, right. James, something that we've been debating on the show is whether or not that was actually the spirit of Qui-Gon that was revealed to Obi-Wan in that cave. And you said that you were playing it like it was a dream. Is that what you assume it was a dream for Obi-Wan or was he really talking to the spectral version of Qui-Gon Jinn? I don't know. It's tricky because when uh, Anakin has his experience with his mother, it seems very apparent that he's in bed and he's sleeping and then he's awakened from it. And same with Ahsoka, if, if memory serves, you know, she seems to be kind of there on the, you know, the step by the fire or whatever, almost, you know, kind of in a... A state of dream. Uh, so I took it as that somewhat that, you know, he's, he's either very tired or, <laughs> and, and again, you know, it's all, I mean, it's the forces of that, that whole space though, of Mortis itself. Yeah. So I, I guess I did kind of play it more so as though it was a dream that he was awake for, if that makes sense. Ah, you know what I mean? Like right. yeah, his actions that he was doing, he was actually up doing those is how I kind of pictured it. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a tricky one. I don't know if I'll ever have any or uh, all of the answers at all to it either. So you know. <laughs> now, as folks watching the show, it seems like now we're in a little bit more of a chronological, linear uh, way of storytelling. We're not jumping around so much. Was that something that you guys felt, you know, say around a year ago at this point that you were starting to move in a more linear uh, direction or are you still kind of, you know, is it that just the nature of doing what you do always just bouncing around? Well, I think we are always in the headspace that we may bounce around, but it seems as though we are becoming more linear. Mm -hmm. And I think that Dave has even talked about that as well, that, um, that we definitely have been, and we will be at least, you know, for the rest of this season. Um, and, and so I, I think you have to kind of, 
you go back and forth, and it's been so much of that. You know, when we first started the show, too, we jumped all over the place, and we didn't know which episode would be where. And we're, all of us are generally not in each week. You know, Tom, Tom Kane is, obviously, because Tom is the narrator, and, right. and Yoda, and Yularen, but the narrator is in every episode. And D is in practically every episode. Um, so I think that for them they have to kind of keep track a little bit more. When we come in, we're almost expecting to be a little off balance. You know, mm-hmm. if I come in or Kat or Ashley or Matt, even sometimes it's kind of like, okay, where are we? What's going yeah. on? You know, there's, because yeah. lately yeah. as well, um, I will say that, you know, we have not been getting the scripts even 24 hours in advance on, on things. If we have more lines, you know, because there's just so much going on with it. Um, I think that uh, it's difficult to even get them out at that time. So wow. we don't generally get to read the scripts until we're there. Oh, my gosh. And we get some time beforehand to kind of go through them and prep and all, certainly. You know, we have that time. But um, Now, do you work together on those kind of read-throughs, or do you all go off into your own little corners and kind of work through it and then come together for, for, the, for the recording? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we, you know, we all get together in the lobby and uh, of of the studio that we record in, and where it's always just kind of a big party, you know. <laughs> oh, you're here! Hey, yeah. okay, great. And you know, and if there's any guest stars or whatever, and then Megan will come out and be like, "Okay, here you are," and she'll we'll sign in, and she give us our scripts and uh, our pickup lines or whatever else we're doing. And most of the time, each of us, I think, kind of takes a little, you know, five ten minutes goes gets off alone and and looks at their parts and looks at the script and and does that and. And then the rest of the time, you're kind of going through it with everybody kind of around and you're in conversation and stuff too. But it is, it's one of those things for me personally, I try to not, if I'm not in it up to the end, like if Obi-Wan is in a show at the beginning, I purposely will not read the end because I want to be surprised like everybody else, as well as uh, not slip in any way. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Plausible so, deniability, yeah, kind of... right, James? Plausible deniability. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, you know, when we spoke with uh, Stephen Stanton, uh, uh, the brilliant voice of uh, Captain Tarkin, yeah. he was saying that he really, he really likes to avoid spoilers. He likes for things to sort of unfold in real time for him as well. So you, you're also like that. You prefer to not know what's around the next corner. Exactly right. Yeah. And I mean, might I say too, that was so great that Steven was on with you guys and, and stuff too. He's a fantastic voice actor. He's been on the show, you know, since season one and doing other characters, but this is really cool that he's getting this credit this way. And uh, I encourage people to check him out on Facebook and on his, his website as well. Cause what a great guy and a great, great voice actor. Uh, he's a real deal. So, uh, in fact, it's funny. He played, uh, he played old Ben Kenobi in a in a fan film <laughs> a few right. years back. So yes. we, we uh, did talk about. He does that. the he does the mean Alec Guinness as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> your your uh, Alec Guinness kind of sounds a little like John Lennon. Am I hearing things or? Uh, what was that? <laughs> oh, why don't you cut it off, Ringo? Look, John, I've had a lot of times with this finger. Yeah, um, it is. It is a bit of a. It, it's funny. <clears throat> Excuse me. When we did the micro series of Clone Wars. That was always the direction they were giving me. Uh, Ringo it up a bit, you know. So uh, <clears throat> I think that uh, yeah, he does. He has a tendency to go into a Beatle kind of place, you know. But <laughs> that's really interesting um, how you you say you get the the copy the script right before you go into record, 
And uh, it, it, you guys all sort of go off in your own direction and you come together and start comparing notes and stuff. And I actually was lucky enough to sort of see this process go down a couple years ago when we were in Dallas for fan days. And Dave came into town and laid a script on you guys to perform live during the panel. So you guys were yeah. gathered sort of in the vestibule there, you know, doing exact, you know, going through the process just as you explained. And I know yeah. you do a lot of different voices and and you're a total pro and everything but do you ever find that you have just left a johnny test session and you're going to the clone (laughs) wars do you have to like go through a transition while you're in the car to sort of recapture obi-wan and shake off what other character you were working on during the day or does it just come natural to you um, it, it depends. That's a great question. Well, for example, I, I was out in Los Angeles today doing Johnny test for the show. And then I was doing some commercials as Johnny and then came home and to do this. So I do find myself sometimes in the car, I'll put on a little Obi-Wan in the, uh, from the iPod and get into character sometimes. But, uh, I mean, it, it can come naturally if I have to, but just to get me in that mode, I will, um, do that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's some days, you know, you also some days just when you're reading, you know, things just don't words just mumble and jumble together. I had a day like that. I think a few weeks ago when we were doing a session where it was just like, I could not put words together and make sentences. It was, <laughs> you know, it happens to all of us, but, uh, yeah. yeah so, uh, you know, I, I try not to mix them up too much, but that would be fun. Wouldn't it? James, as a Star Wars fan, which we all know that you are, what 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 has come down this season that that really rang your bell that you thought was just really really cool for Star Wars fans? Well, uh, I love the Citadel. I loved bringing Tarkin in. Um, I I think that that is just important to fans of the whole whole you know the universe of star wars mm-hmm. uh but i also i just i really loved the mortis stuff i you know i know that it's a bit controversial with some people i've i've had some talks with fans about it and you know people that that really liked it and and really also were you know maybe a little critical of it um mm-hmm. but i i thought it was a really important part of star wars and kind of showing more about the force and certainly showing more about Anakin and that scene where he's standing in the middle of that kind of almost yin and yang symbol and you know Obi-Wan and Ahsoka are there being held by the the, the son and the daughter and all that I just thought it was very epic and very important to um the whole universe of Star Wars and and so I I was very um captivated by that story and I just and Sam was so great as the son and I mean mm. You know, that was just, that was, that was cool to see him and Matt working off each other because he sounded, uh, he and Matt sound very similar. And I think some people could have almost thought that it was, uh, that it was Matt doing the son's voice at first, but, um, now that you mention it, 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 yeah, they do have a, a, they do have a similar kind of tone, uh, very much. Yeah. 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 And it, it raised, it raised Matt's performance to, uh, an even greater level with both of them having that, just that intensity in the room it was really cool it was fun to be there so for me those episodes really are are special in that regard because i i was just enjoying them uh but uh you know as uh, again i think that the citadel stuff is really as good as it gets for just a great action you know 
uh, prison break, you know, kind of thing. Right. How cool is that? And and I think it did have a, a touch of episode four, you know, of A New Hope. I think it really did have that flavor to it, too. So, And not only is someone who actually works on Star Wars, but you're someone who understands Star Wars. And the importance of including a character like Tarkin is, is certainly not lost on you. So uh, let's talk about the next step here in season three, and mm. that's the addition of Chewbacca <laughs> to the Clone Wars. Yeah. Uh, not even as an actor, and I'm not looking for any sort of, you know, uh, spoiler or inside information. I just want to know, as a Star sure. Wars fan, what, what sort of geeks you out about having Chewbacca return to Star <laughs> Wars via the Clone Wars? You know, it's funny, you just even mentioning that right there, I, I honestly get a little choked up about it. It's the fact that, you know, I mean, first off, Peter Mayhew is just what a dear man, what a what a, what a wonderful actor, what a wonderful guy, and and for them to have brought him into the process of it. I don't know if everybody has seen those videos on on StarWars.com of of Peter and Dave Filoni and them kind of working together. So awesome, but and they showed just that bit of that reveal of Chewbacca. Mm. It, it Chewbacca is just such a he just like C three PO and R two D two. He is you know, the embodiment of Star Wars. And it's it just, God, it, it does. It makes me emotional thinking that he's, he's a part of our show and he's yeah. a part of now the Clone Wars world. Uh, it's really cool because I, I just think no greater friend could you have in the universe than that, that Wookiee, you know? <laughs> he is the ultimate, yeah, he is the ultimate, uh, you know, man's best friend, you know, uh, yeah. based yeah. on on George's own own, own Malmute, you know and so yeah that i mean uh, on on so many levels that's that's very cool were you around for some of that stuff with uh, with Peter Mayhew or you, have you just come to know no. him at at different uh, events yeah i've come to know him through uh conventions and star wars weekends and uh yeah just uh, just a dear soul he really is uh and i just really enjoy his his just nature. And yeah. when he's around, it's just very mellow and nice and, and lovely. And I imagine that that's what it was like on the sets. If you certainly, you hear, you hear Harrison Ford, I was going to say Han Solo, you hear Harrison Ford talk. <laughs> oh, God, don't call him that. Peter. James will punch you in the yeah. mouth. Don't, <laughs> don't, call, don't call him that. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> Working with a Wookiee. <laughs> no, um, you know, uh, yeah, he even you know, has said that it, there was just a nature about, about Peter that makes the whole set kind of different. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I, I think it's very cool. I wish, I wish he actually provided the voice of Chewbacca. Cause then that would have meant that we would have been recording together and that would have been really cool. He could just stand right. there. You know, he could just stand there. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> not, the, there we go. Believe it or not, Peter has put on that, Chewy costume several times since uh, the uh, original trilogy wrapped up, you know, not to mention he was in uh, episode three, but he says, and I've never actually heard Peter do this, but he says he can mm. really do a Chewbacca sound, a real accurate one. After years and years of, of, <laughs> of trained Chewy, he's really been able to nail the sound. And what's even wow. funnier is that, uh, yeah, and so I was wondering if maybe he was actually in the voiceover booth, but apparently that's not the case, um, at least as far no, as you know. but I'm going to ask him now next time. I'm going to ask him to do it for me. So, Jim, you just put... 
<laughs> you just sealed Peter's fate because now every convention <laughs> that he does, people are going to go ask him for his oh, chewy. Yeah. But maybe he's dying to do it. Maybe he's just, you know, I thought you'd never <laughs> ask, you know. <laughs> and if he doesn't want to do it, he certainly will not be afraid of saying no. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> but what's what's, what's kind of interesting is there does Somebody's- exist footage from the original Star Wars films where he would move the mouth and, you know, in characters, Chewbacca with Harrison on set, actually shooting a scene. Mm. And instead of growling and stuff, he would actually respond to the dialogue with English dialogue. Like um, there's one clip that I've seen, and this could end up on the Blu-ray. You you probably know what I'm talking about, James, but there's this one clip I've seen. Mm -hmm. It's in the control room on the Death Star. And it's right after Uh Obi-Wan Kenobi leaves them alone and goes down the corridor with that scene, that classic scene where Han leans up against Chewie, Chewie growls, but Chewie yeah. instead says, that old man's mad. And then Han says, <laughs> yeah. you said it. Boy, you it's said it, hilarious. Chewie. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, awesome. And that's about as jarring right. as when you hear the original scratch track of uh, Dave Prowse. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. It's I knew just, that was coming. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, anyway, all right. Well, James, everybody, of course, is familiar with your work behind the scenes. And um, but you're going to be in front of a lot of people this summer. Star Wars weekends. You are one of the hosts or the host. I'm not quite sure what. Tell us about the role you're going to play and the role Ashley's going to play, because you're both going to be uh, out there uh, every week for yeah. Star Wars weekends. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you asked that because there has been some confusion online and then there were rumors of this and that and the other. And it's like, no, no. What normally happens for Star Wars Weekends is they have what they call an event host. And the event host hosts the entire thing. Mm. Uh, Last year, we had Jeremy Bullock doing it. And the year before that, Jay LaGaia. Uh, Warwick has been the event host for the entire event usually uh, or, or many times in the past as well. And then Ashley is the host the entire month long for the Behind the Force, the Clone Wars show, oh. as well as, you know, she is in the, the parade, she does autograph signings, she does other uh, parts of the events. So I am going to be the event host, which is really a, a pretty cool and big deal for a Clone Wars uh, actor to be the event host of the entire Star Wars weekend. So very it's cool, really yeah. quite a coup for the show. I'm very happy, but I'm also just extremely honored that Disney would ask me to do this. And we are planning some really, really awesome stuff. I got to tell you, we're going to just, it's going to be fun. Uh, we've got a lot of shows and we've got, you know, uh, uh, as well, Anthony Daniels is going to be there for a couple of weeks. Uh, we got Ray Park, of course, coming back, you know, um, and many other guests. I don't know all of the guest list yet, but I am preparing my questions and my things that I'm going to do with them uh, as well. But I will be having very full days, you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, hosting the entire thing, kicking the whole thing off, uh, doing the the parades, doing the talk show, doing the the, uh, Ray Park show as well, doing the... uh, introing the Clone Wars show as well with Ashley, doing my own 30-minute version of my stage show, my one-man stage show. Disney is, is being very cool to let me do that. And so I've been working on that and putting some stuff in there that is all brand new. And I mean, nobody's ever really seen my stage show anyways. There's just bits and pieces of it on my website. But yeah. um, So this is going to be kind of the world premiere of, of this James Arnold Taylor talking to myself stage show that I'll be doing for Star Wars weekends for the entire month. That's so, so it's cool. from May 17th to June 13th that I'll be there. And uh, I am just really, really looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time to connect with the fans again. 
So you're gonna be, you're, you're sort of in the talk uh, the talk show mode. So you're gonna have your your best Johnny Carson going on. You have your note cards. That's right. All right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Two camels walking in the desert. One turns to the other, says, "I don't care what anyone says. I'm thirsty." <laughs> Be, you know what? Johnny Carson's favorite joke. Uh, not, to, not, not to take anything away from Dana Carvey, but that that was that was really good, James. That was really good. And that was really that Johnny wasn't a caricature. You know, that was no caricature. That was Carson dead on. Wow, well played, yeah, sir. Yeah, Dana Carvey did the caricature. He was way up here. Yeah. That is wild. That is crazy. <laughs> that is wild. All right. But but Johnny Carson's real voice was right down here. Oh. And he was always, you know, all right, very good. So, yeah, so I, I love cool. Johnny. James- I actually, in my stage show, I do a, a tribute to Johnny Carson. It won't be in this version of the show because just for time. But uh, And most Star Wars fans would be like, who? But <laughs> No, I maybe okay, maybe half, maybe half. Yeah, half. There you go, James. Any chance you're going to jump up on stage with the dancing characters in the hyperspace hoopla and uh, start, you know, maybe break dance a little bit or something? Oh yes, my time has come. Uh, no, I, I don't know about that, but um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I'm just really looking forward to just having a, a really a good time. I'm going to be, you know, in Florida for an entire month. It will be um, very different. I'll be having to do all my other shows and things from there as well and record mm. my shows like Johnny Test and Batman and, and even Clone Wars uh, from, from Florida. So it'll be, wow. it'll be cool. How do you do that? Will you actually do that at a local studio down there or will you be doing it from your hotel or how do you? How do you do that uh, remotely? I, I use the holophone. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. I will probably uh, – Disney has a studio there, and they will let uh, me use that. Oh, so yeah. That's, I, very... I, I, that's, a good, that's a good point. Uh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're down there. They have like... some equipment. They got <laughs> yeah. a couple bucks. And, uh, They've done a few they, animated they projects. They to something together. They've got a closet. That they're cleaning out. And they're going to put some egg crates up like my studio. <laughs> I love it. That's very cool. That's very cool. Well, my gosh, we could sit and rap with you forever. You've been so kind uh, to us over the years uh, coming on the program as, as often as you have. And we love talking to you. But we know you got lots of things to do. Um, but, that's, but Star Wars Weekends officially opens when? It's May 17th. Is that it? That weekend? Or? Well, I get there May 17th. I think it's uh, the, the weekend of the, yeah, the 17th. Yeah. It's like, what is it, the 21st or something is when it begins officially, I think, of May. Yeah. Right. And goes for four weeks. Yeah. And it is, the, um, it is the opening, the reopening, grand reopening of Star Tours, the, yeah. the new Star Tours. So it's going to be very exciting. Are you getting, are you going to be on one of the first runs? They, they, are they hooking I up? I hope so. I was on one of the absolute last ones before they blew it up, before Darth Vader blew it up yeah. last summer at, at right. uh, C5. Yeah. I, was, I was on with Dave Filoni, Kyle Newman, and, and Jamie, yeah. and, uh, and Jet Lucas, and uh, some other folks. And uh, was Seth? I think Seth Green was there, too. Yeah. And so we were all in one spaceship there together. It was quite fun. Wow. How nice. Did you keep your eyes open for the whole thing, James? No, I can't. I can't at all. <laughs> you know I hate space travel. <laughs> well, you know what? Jimmy Mac gives me a hard time because I only watched half of it with my eyes closed. Uh, but, uh, you know. Look what, over. That, He's got his eyes. <laughs> I'm being serious. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I eased into it. I eased into it. But uh, anyway, well, I can't wait for Star Tours 2. You know, you're, gonna, you're not just going to have to ride it one time. You've got to ride it multiple times because apparently there's like, Tons and tons of different scenarios that could play out. So, 
Um, a good thing you're going to be yeah. there for a month. You can catalog all these. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, James. Well, guys, I so appreciate the time, and I appreciate you letting me go on and on. And I just uh, may the force be with you. May- I don't get to say that to you guys that often. <laughs> James, before we let you go. And I, I think yeah. this might become something of force cast tradition because we have some of the most creative uh-huh. listeners in, in, in all yeah. of podcasting. They're out there. They're, they want to contribute to the force cast and, and let us know about yeah. the, the creative juices that are flowing through them. And, and we often receive poetry from our <laughs> listeners. And, uh, and, and uh, recently right. you read a poem from a faithful Forcecast listener. And, and once again, we're going to put you on the spot. We received a poem from John <laughs> in Cleveland. And uh, we are just wondering yes. if your alter ego, Obi-Ham Kenobi, is there. <laughs> and if you, Yes. Uh, if you, not Ben? No. <laughs> <laughs> An entire poem no, from I, Ben. I don't know. And I will credit you guys. You got me this script uh, 24 hours in advance, which is more than I get with Clone Wars now. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, so yes alright are you ready you ready 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 we are ready this is a Clone Wars poem by John in Cleveland (laughs) a long time ago in a galaxy that's really quite far far away you see a Star Wars saga set in three stages and then three more movies that were fun for all ages the films were done or so we thought but new stories to tell is what we sought. A new movie advertised in theaters and stores. A new Star Wars film called The Clone Wars. Adults took their children, or went on their own, to relive the saga that started 30 years ago. The show started off fast with Yoda and Plo. Argus and Nader were the first ones to go. Hondo was cunning. Vindy was crazy. Cad Bane was not in the least bit lazy. In season two, we had Jocasta New, everyone's favorite old lady, and Mandalore, too. Satine was a pacifist, the Zillow a beast, and Boba Fett didn't disappoint in the least. We have Savage, Assage, and Mother Talzin. So much goodness, my, where to begin? The father, son, and daughter living on a place by the name of Mortis, unlike any other in space, with stories good as this. Fans are waiting for more. All I can say is, just wait till season four. Oh, that was from right. John and <laughs> James Arnold Taylor, right here on the eve of the uh, the end of season three of the Clone Wars. Always a pleasure to talk to you, James. Thank you so much. Thank you again, an honor and a pleasure and a privilege. And thank you to all the folks that are on the chats and stuff. I, I read all that stuff as we're doing this. It's great fun to, to read what they say. As Jimmy once said, that terrifies us. All right. <laughs> 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 all right, James, thanks so much for playing with us tonight. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. All right, you do. Bye-bye. Take care, James. This is James Bye. Arnold Taylor, voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm Master Pro Cool, and you're listening to The Force Cast. The galaxy is listening. Oh, my. I have a bad feeling about this. You know, I, I am a bit of an impersonator here. What do we say? Let's see. How about uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi as Gilbert Gottfried? You know I like the Force cast. You know it's nice. You got the Jimmy and the Jason. The two Jays. And they're both kind of... Well, there's kids here, I can't say. But Jack Blank. You know what I mean? Fill in the blank. Anyways, I like a nice Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know. 
when I want to feel like I'm passing a kidney stone. But anyways, no, it's good. It's good. Obi-Wan and yes. These aren't the droids. This isn't the actor you're looking for. I was looking for Ewan McGregor or Alec Guinness, not James Arnold Taylor, that hack. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, that my. That does not get old. Never, uh, never, never. Great to talk to James. All right. Well, Jim, at the top of the show, I did allude to your um, okay rant uh, last week about uh, sure. You know the 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 predictable hate filled comments from all the trolls on the web. As soon as there's a there's a big Star Wars story that breaks, and you know what, I don't see this. To be fair, I don't see this a lot on the Star Wars fan sites. I real I really don't. Um, but you always see it in those sort of more mainstream sites, um, you know, the techie, the geeky kind of sites where they, for whatever reason, you know, they're, they're, they're reviewing, a, you know, somebody's home theater setup, and then they have a story about Star Wars on Blu-ray, and you get those trolls that start talking about George Lucas picking our pockets and all of this crap, and we just had enough of it. We'd had enough of it, and, and you especially had enough of it. Well, yeah, and and uh, so we were going through some of that stuff last week, and and with the announcement of Star Wars in 3D, it's really you know it, it comes in waves, it comes in waves, and and with this latest wave, I really found that I I just had a bug up my butt about it, and I didn't really even realize until last week's show that I felt the way I felt. You know, it just it maybe it just had been building up for a long time and, and I just heard enough and, and unleashed. And, uh, even after the show was over, Jason, uh, you and me, we, we chatted for about 45 <laughs> minutes afterwards and, uh, it was a very animated <laughs> and, uh, profanity laced conversation, I'm sure. But, uh, Hey, you know, we're only human. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my main, my main issue was that, I, I wanted to be honest with how I felt about everything. Yeah. And I wanted to just ensure our listeners that Star Wars is the positive experience we know it is and not to listen to the haters, nor should you approve of it. However, in the, in the same breath, when you get super opinionated like that, you, you feel you're going to alienate your audience. Thankfully, I've received so much support in the last week. I, I really feel very comfortable now. Now that I've actually been able to sort of sort my feelings because even you know what this spilled into the next day i i <laughs> i was on virtually no sleep the next day because after we ended the show like i said you and me jason we talked for like 45 minutes an hour then i spent time driving home from my studio and then i got home was so wound up couldn't sleep found myself editing the entire clone wars round table and uh came into uh, work the next day on like negative hours of sleep <laughs> uh-huh. so i was still very touchy and I turned on the Twitter, and of course, uh, Faithful Forcecast listeners, you can follow me, Jimmy Mac Radio, on Twitter. And um, our sister, our Force.net sister, Mandy Boo, had, had uh, tweeted a link to an article that was, that, it was a list, top 10 things that are destroying movies. And Mandy hmm. put on there, you know, George Lucas and Star Wars is mentioned here. I disagree with that. But yet she still put the link out there. And here I am feeling all this, this craziness about, you know, how I've now like appointed myself as the watchdog 
<laughs> against uh, any negativity towards Star Wars. And then I see a very talented Star Wars artist who has been on the Force cast in the past and somebody that I like and actually consider a friend, uh, Jeff Carlisle. He also tweeted the same thing. So I tweeted back to him. What's the matter with you guys? You're supposed to be fans. You shouldn't be spreading this stuff. You know, still carrying the the mantle of, of course of you know the oh burden. God. The burden. Uh, you're carrying the burden for 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 Star Wars fans. So me and Jeff start going back and forth on Twitter about <laughs> uh, you know how people have the right to to let their opinion be heard, and I'm standing up for protecting Star Wars, and I'm calling uh, people who. I said, oh, so that's all the internet's good for is a bunch of twits. Or, you know, I said something really derogatory, and and then he thought I was talking about him, and the whole thing turned into a mess. So, uh, you know, obviously, I think Jeff definitely knows that I I, I hold him in the highest esteem as, as a Star Wars fan and an artist and a talent, and I would never put him down. And I put that in my tweets back to him, so I think that cleared it all up. But, but here I am carrying this burden with me the next day. That night, I finally got a reasonable amount of sleep. Woke up feeling like a reasonable human being. But yet, <laughs> yet but yet, yet. I don't I, I still have some things to say because we did receive some correspondence that, that I, I want to address and and then I'm just I'm gonna let it go. Then everyone's gonna know exactly how I feel and what I think. But the first email comes from our faithful listener, Alex R. And Jason, uh, if you would uh, do the honors of reading his email. I will. Hey, I just wanted to make a comment on your March 11th show. Multiple times you complained about different news articles calling us Star Wars fans nerds. And you seem to take some offense from that. Stop trying to hide your nerdiness. I'm a nerd, and I'm proud to admit it. Everyone is a nerd nowadays. Being a nerd is cool, and everyone is a nerd. Everyone has an iPhone or other smartphone in their pocket. Everyone loves technology, and everyone loves Star Wars. Jason, Jimmy, please be proud of being a nerd. All right. <laughs> I, have a, <laughs> I do have a response to Alex, um, and, and, and we're just going to talk a little bit about what the definition of nerd really is and how I grew up knowing what the definition of nerd is. And, and, and I grew up in the 70s, and two of my favorite pop culture pursuits were Star Wars, obviously, and Happy Days. Okay? Mm, right. I mean, Happy Days was okay. huge in the 70s. Right. I, I'm not kidding you. Right. And, and for a kid growing up, happy, watching Happy Days, the, the Fonz, Arthur Fonzarelli, he embodied coolness. And the Fonz, hey, he also referred to, he referred to anyone lacking coolness as a nerd. And so I looked it up in Webster, and Webster's defines nerd as an unstylish, unattractive, or socially inept person. But in the last decade or so, some in popular media have decided that it's okay to stereotype all of us Star Wars fans as nerds. And this is an epidemic that has run completely wild, especially with the rise of the blogger. Such terms as nerd approved, nerd chic, and nerd culture have caught on like wildfire. And unfortunately, time and time again, it's applied to Star Wars fans. Even worse, this is the biggest crime. Some of us Star Wars fans have decided to embrace such derogatory nomenclature, and we begin to describe ourselves as nerds. And to me, this is like rolling over and handing the school bully 
your lunch money without even putting up a fight. No matter how you slice it, the term nerd is a negative one. It's a time-tested put-down, a slam, an insult. This may be hard for some of our younger listeners to understand, but I grew up in a time when the Star Wars phenomenon was mainstream. It was embraced by all, and it was not pigeonholed into a subculture of society labeled as losers. Unlike, now let's be fair, unlike Trekkies, right? I mean, let's just be honest. Trekkie was well, something see, there, different. The, the line there has become very thin, and that's a, that's a whole nother rant. But <laughs> Well, but there was then, a difference. I mean, there was a difference. Yeah. I'm sorry. But, 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 well, but, you just... So just because there was just much more of a mainstream edge to Star Wars, Mm -hmm. Star Wars fans were just simply Star Wars fans back then. There were no stereotypes. Star Wars fans, we came from all walks of life, all professions, all races, all age groups. And I believe that that's the case even more so now than before, because Star Wars has permeated the collective consciousness of society. And it's done so due to its powerful message, its story, its vision. And to label us fans as nerds is insulting and unnecessary. I say it's time to take it back. Don't feel the need to give in to the too cool for the room haters. Take it back. Don't accept an insulting stereotype just because you see the term nerd being applied to something you love. Don't give up. Take it back. If you see a blog that insults your fandom, don't spread it via Twitter or Facebook. If you read a magazine or a newspaper that wants to stereotype your fandom, stop purchasing it or unsubscribe. If there's a TV show that puts down your fandom, stop watching it. If there's a website or a podcast that gets negative about fandom, stop visiting and listening. Don't ever forget the Star Wars experience is a positive experience. One by one, we can take it back. Star Wars is cool. It always has been, period. Don't let the cynics and haters insult you. Take it back. Stop referring to yourself as a nerd just because you love Star Wars and because the outsiders want to label you as such. Because by doing so... You're saying, to requote Webster's, that you are unstylish, unattractive, and socially inept. Is that how you feel about yourself? Judging by the people I meet all the time via the Force cast and at, at events like, like Star Wars Celebration and, and Fan Days, this definition does not describe a Star Wars fan. I know this because I am on the front lines of fandom every day. And Star Wars fans cannot be stereotyped as nerds. Let's take it back. Star Wars fans are not nerds. We are Star Wars fans. Period. End of story. Let's take it back. Nuke Gunray, not in this rant. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> next week we'll find out what Jimmy thinks about the term geek. We'll I, hey, I don't mind geek. I don't mind geek. That's no? something Jeff Carlisle quoted or uh, tweeted to me. He said, uh-huh. one man's nerd is another man's geek. There was a great article, and it's been passed around, and other folks have sort of interpreted it, etc. But there was there was somebody who who defined, you know, nerd, geek, and uh, I forget what the other one other one was. I think it was it was the top three. But but so Jimmy Mac, no, no nerd for you, right? No, no. no. There's no. nothing cool about it. I'm, I'll never be proud of being a nerd because I'm not a nerd. I'm not unstylish, unattractive, or socially inept. And, and I, I want people to just give that up. Give up this whole nerd chic business. It's insulting. 
I don't I, even like hearing it. I, I know so, Jimmy Mack pretty know, well, and I can tell you that Jimmy Mack is very stylish. He is, uh, he is very <laughs> socially aware, and he's quite attractive. Quite attractive, that Jimmy yes. Mack. So <laughs> certainly no nerd there. All right. Well, let's um, – I'm sure we'll get a lot more emails and, uh, and comments about this. But we do have some good news. We've got a winner. We've got a winner who's going to be getting oh. a very unnerdy set of Forcecast trading cards by way of our buddy Mark Dermal, right, Jim? Yeah, yeah. So uh, as, as you guys know, you listen to the show every week. Um, we are totally behind the Save the Lars Homestead project. Um, they're, they're trying to raise 10000 bucks to go out to the original filming site of Star Wars A New Hope and go fix up the set pieces, the dome, etc. And they need $10,000 to get out there with their paint cans, their hammer and nails, and make it happen there in the middle of the desert. Mark Dermal is the project lead, and he's a friend of ours here at the Force Cast. And uh, we decided we were going to give him a little help in raising the funds. So we donated a set of Force Cast trading cards autographed by the crew and Steve Sansweets. And we said we'd give it away to random, to anyone in, in this previous month who had donated a minimum of $20. And uh, so Mark put all those names into a hat, let his son choose, and the name of the winner of the set of Force Cast cards autographed is Emily Gulo. Emily will be contacted by us here at the Force Cast. We'll get all of her information, and we will send her the set of cards. And the good news is, is that in the course of this promotion, about a thousand additional dollars were raised. So the project is currently at $8,500, only $1,500 left. So they are able to, to mm. pack up, get on a plane, you go what, out to Tunisia. You know what Mark needs to do? Mark needs to get Carrie Fisher to record one of those PSAs, you know, a la Sally Struthers, you know, to come on, mm-hmm. <laughs> come on at like one thirty in the morning. Hi, I'm Carrie Fisher. You know, for only a dollar a day, less than a pack of smokes, you can ensure that the Lars Homestead is going to be there for generations of nerds. Hey! (laughs) What's the matter with you? (laughs) What I say, does that not get through you? I'm just kidding, of course. I would love to see. I would love to see the PSA. So someone get a camera over to Carrie's house ASAP. And if you want to be involved, visit savetheigloo.info or markdermal.be. That's D-E-R-M-U-L dot B-E. You'll find all the information there on the Save the Lars Homestead project. We're getting close. We are getting close. And I want them to fix that place up because someday, Jason, you and me are going to hop on that plane. We're going to fly to Tunisia, and we're going to go out there to that iconic filming site, and we're going to do a force cast live yeah. from the Lars right. Homestead. As soon as, as soon as they get that Starbucks built, I'll be there. I, pr- I promise you. Before we uh, move on here, I do want to take a moment to say, even though we don't do this for just you know just anybody, but we've got to do it for one of our own, our good pal, one of our best buddies, uh, Kyle Newman, uh, celebrating a birthday yeah, on March 16th is his birthday. What is that? Is that today? No, that's tomorrow. Tomorrow is we record yes. live. But uh, as you folks are listening to this on uh, on podcast, uh, it's this week. So big, lots of love and big happy birthday to our buddy, Kyle Newman. Happy 
This is Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian. It's time for the quote of the week. Dork. That was the other one. So you have nerd, geek, and dork. Well, dork is is very bad because that has connotations connecting it to a piece of the uh, human male anatomy. So we definitely don't want to go down that road to no, uh, describe I any know star. <laughs> You have that in your collection? (laughs) I didn't know that. All right, you know what? There's only one thing that can cleanse the palate of all this talk of uncoolness, and that is Mm -hmm. the epitome. Now, how could the epitome of cool, how could he be in something that's uncool? There's no way. Exactly. So that's the Trump card, right? Is that not the Trump card? Billy D, we bring you different quotes. Why do we bring you different quotes every week? Because he was Lando freaking Calrissian in the Star Wars saga, by golly. That's right. Say it loud, say it proud. And uh, for this week, we're going to Billy D's recent appearance at the Miami Comic Con. It was just a few weeks ago. And as Billy does when he appears at a convention, he does a Q&A panel. And uh, they set an open mic up in the middle of the auditorium. And fans can line up and ask Billy D all kind of insane questions. Believe me, I've sat in on several <laughs> of these Q&As, and typically the questions are insane. Um, now, to set this up, this comes from our uh, listener, Josh, in Florida. He recorded this. It sounds like he recorded it on his iPhone, so we have to apologize for the quality of the, uh, the audio here, but uh, it's, it's such a precious moment. We could not hold it back. We have to unleash it on the masses because during the Q&A, uh, a fan asked Billy D a bunch of questions and, and he wraps it up with a compliment where he, uh, he compliments Billy D on his iconic role, not only as Lando Calrissian, but as the Colt 45 pitchman. Now you have to listen very closely to how he responds to these compliments. Uh, according to Josh in Florida, it's a bombshell. And uh, I'm sure you'll agree once you hear this audio. You know, Able to make that out, I was able to get uh Billy D's comment out, right. <laughs> but but not not That's the question much all that matters, yeah, right, right. What, uh, <laughs> what this young man said to Billy D was, uh, you know, uh, your contributions to uh, Colt 45 and Star Wars are amazing. <laughs> Billy D says, Thank you very much, and uh, and the fan then says, You know, thank you for all you've done. And Billy D says, If I were gay, I'd give you a kiss. Well, you know what, Billy D? I don't care. I take a kiss from you either way. If I was gay, I'd give you a kiss. Either way, Billy. Nice. D. If I was gay, I'd give you a kiss. All right, Star Wars uh, in pop culture coming up. But if you've got a quote from the man, the myth, the legend, how cool! You know what? Even though the audio gym wasn't that great, it was it was cool because. That's something nobody else has got. You know, the movie stuff, that's cool enough. But, I mean, I love when fans send in these clips, these candid moments of Billy D out and about. And uh, that's very cool. Yes. So send that stuff to us. Big yep. thanks to uh, Josh in Florida. Send that stuff to us. Forcecast at forcecast.net. Subject line, Billy D. But we've got Star Wars in pop culture. And uh, you know what? The 2012 presidential campaign is starting to heat up. And there were uh, there were a few fireworks 
<laughs> surrounding one potential GOP candidate. And there's a Star Wars connection to this, right, Jim? Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we got a lot of emails about this. This happened last week. We were actually going to feature it in last week's show, but we got a little bit derailed by various rants and whatnot. <laughs> but uh, this comes from Adam in Orlando, who says, I was watching the Colbert Report and saw something for Star Wars and pop culture. I know you guys try to stay free of American politics, yada, yada, yada. On Friday... Former Governor Mike Huckabee made comments regarding single moms having children and mentioned Natalie Portman being single and pregnant. But so Huckabee made these comments regarding single moms, and she, he did. He singled out Natalie Portman. Yeah. He singled out Queen Amidala of the Naboo. <laughs> and, of course, being the, the faithful Star Wars fan he is, Steve Colbert, he felt necessary to use his very popular show on Comedy Central to respond to Governor Mike Huckabee's comments. Pretty upset about recent comments by friend of the show Mike Huckabee. Listen to what he said to famed conservative film critic and mustache host organism (laughs) Michael Medved. One of the things that's troubling is that people see a Natalie Portman or some other Hollywood starlet who boast of Hey, look, you know, we're having children. We're not married, but we're having these children and they're doing just fine. What are you thinking, Governor? Look, I'm no fan of single mothers either, but it's Natalie Portman we're talking about. (laughs) That kid she's pregnant with is Luke Skywalker. I mean, logically, if you're against her pregnancy, that means you've aligned yourself politically with Emperor Palpatine. (laughs) You're alienating all of Tatooine. It's a swain planet. (laughs) Good stuff. I love, uh, you know. (laughs) Brilliant. So good. So good. Well said, (laughs) Stephen Colbert. Yeah, right. Uh, he says it loud, says it You proud. know what? And there was nothing nerdy about that, Jimmy. That whole crowd, that whole crowd got the joke. Why? Because they're nerds? Yeah. No. 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 Oh. And you know who else isn't a nerd? Who? Simon Pegg. That's right. Simon Pegg. Very famous British actor. And uh, he's shooting a, a film called Paul uh, with another famous British actor, Nick Frost. These two guys are big Star Wars fans, and they decided that they were going to do their own fan film. Now, this was just released today as we record this podcast, hmm. and I watched it minutes before we signed on tonight. Breaking, and you can see it news at here. collegehumor.com. Have you seen this video yet, Jason? No, I haven't. No. This is all new. All right. It features the two actors from Paul, and uh, they're wearing very, very primitive R2-D2 and C-3PO costumes. You know, like this, the type of stuff that an eight-year-old would make on a rainy Saturday afternoon with cardboard and tape. <laughs> and they're standing out outside in a, a desert-like environment. And, um, you know, it's like slash desert slash suburbia, I would say. <laughs> um, and uh, they shot this great video for collegehumor.com. And what it is, is, is they're reshooting the scene when the droids emerge from the escape pod on... The desert planet of Tatooine, you know, the swing planet. Right, of course. And, um, and they, they recreate that iconic scene 
with the two droids bickering about which direction to go in. So I have a clip from this. I, I didn't want to pull too much because I don't want to spoil it because it is funny and worth watching at collegehumor.com. But just for a taste, here is Simon Pegg's Star Wars fan film. How did we get into this mess? We seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life. Bloop, 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 bloop. What? Bloop, 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 bloop. Is that what you're gonna? Is, he, is that how you're gonna do it? Blop, blop, blop. That's how he does it, isn't it? No, he makes a whistle. He like he communicates via a system of beeps and whistles. He doesn't say bleep, blap. <laughs> Go like this. <laughs> Try that. What? No, no. What? boot. Boot. Let me. I'll take three steps. Yeah. I'll say my line again, and then. Try and make it sound like a, a series of, of sophisticated bleeps and whistles, okay? All right. <clears throat> <clears throat> beep, 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 beep. Oh, let's just say it in English. All right. <laughs> I wonder what Ben Burt would think of that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I got it. All right, so I got to check that out. I got to bookmark that Oh, one. you got to. It. It's yeah. only about three minutes long, but then they continue to do the scene with R2 actually speaking English. And, and for me, it really, really is funny at that moment when 3PO says, go that way, and <laughs> kicks him. <laughs> and then, believe me, hilarity ensues. Uh, so right. great stuff, great stuff. Thanks to everyone who wrote in and told us about this uh, new fan film from Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Now, and, Simon uh, Pegg, sure you know, out- that's a guy I would, I'd like to get on the Force cast at some point. He'd be fun to talk to because he's a, he, he's a big fan. Big fan. Yeah, and, of course, the new in, Scotty in, in, uh, in the, uh, the new uh, Star Trek continuity out there. Right, right. Alongside... Um, that little uh, weird alien in Star Trek, um, that, you know, his, his Scotty sidekick. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. A little weird alien. He had, like, yeah. toothpicks in his eyes. He's really bizarre looking. Yeah. Rather grotesque. But he's played <laughs> by a Star Wars alum, a guy named Deep Roy, who actually played Droopy McCool oh my in uh, Jabba's yeah. band. And I, I think he was also an Ewok, too, if I'm not mistaken. So wow. uh, Well, you know, on the set, Simon was Star- wanting to hear, thing. I'm sure he was wanting to hear Return of the Jedi set stories when he was making that Star Trek movie. That might be sure. a question we should ask Simon, should we get him on the show? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, as we continue with Star Wars and pop culture, here's a great email we got from Lizzie in Massachusetts. And she says, love the Force cast in the pop culture segment. It's my second favorite part of the show, first being the Billy D quote of the week. I got into Star Wars from Family Guy's Blue Harvest special. This is amazing. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because I now see, I think Lizzie is, is a young, very young Star Wars fan. Yeah. To get turned on to Star Wars from Family Guy is incredible. And and you you're fine you're gonna find that more and more with, with younger kids. Oh yeah. Well, by the fact, way, Family Guy from that big nerd, you know, the the unstylish, uncool um, socially awkward um, Seth MacFarlane, that guy, right. you know, th- yeah. Jason, we, we've, we've moved on from our anti <laughs> chunk, so. He, All right. Just trying to help. But no, Just trying to help. Hey, no, you're absolutely right. Yes, yes. Thank, I, I appreciate the validation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I find even with Dylan, the spoiler of the Luke, I'm your father spoiler came from Family Guy. Mm-hmm. If you listen to that little uh, interview I did with Dylan last year when we were talking about seeing the original trilogy for the first time, he revealed that to me. He yeah. knew, oh, no, maybe he said it was Robot Chicken. But you'll find that younger viewers are getting introduced to Star Wars via things like The Simpsons, Robot Chicken, and, and Family Guy's Blue Harvest special. So let me get back to Lizzie's email. She says, uh, I was watching it with my uncle, and we got to the part where Luke 
slash Chris got to the Lars homestead to find his dead aunt and uncle. I asked my uncle if in the movie did his aunt and uncle really die. After we watched the rest of Family Guy, my uncle played Star Wars A New Hope for me, and the Star Wars saga became my absolute favorite movie of all time. Then she found the Force cast on iTunes, and that got Lizzie and her little brother into the Clone Wars and the EU. So she says, thank you for making my Star Wars fandom Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. The Force cast got her into the EU? Hey, wait, listen, we leave no stone unturned here, Jason. Well, we, I, mean, we, I understand, we, but I mean, I, I just, for, I hear, I get emails from people all the time saying that, you know, I do, you know, I do nothing but bash it and I take every opportunity to, 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 to crush it and blah, blah, blah. And here you've got faithful, now faithful Forcecast listener Lizzie reading the EU because of the Forcecast. All right, maybe, exactly. maybe Jedi because journals. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, you know, me. I mean, you know, the Force works in mysterious ways, <laughs> and just the fact that we give exposure to the expanded universe lets younger and newer fans know that it exists, and if they love Star Wars enough, they can go out and search it out and formulate their own opinions about it, and that's what it's all about, you know? it's Jason has his opinion on the EU, I have mine, and Lizzie from Massachusetts has hers, so right. God bless everyone, yeah. you know, um, the, the world is is a rainbow filled with different colors. <laughs> Whatever that means. All right. Now, back to Lizzie's email. Yeah. She says, me and my little sister were flipping through the channels when we came across a show called My Wife and Kids. And right when we were going to change it, <laughs> there was a Star Wars reference. And so she wants us to share the reference. If I could set it up real quick, I guess... Uh, Damon Wayans, star of the show, who mm, plays mm-hmm. the dad. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know much about my wife and kids myself, but um, <laughs> you know, he's having a, it's a, a funny thing to blah. say. I don't know anything about my wife and kids. <laughs> no, no, no. We talk Star Wars here, um, but uh, you know, they're having a typical family argument, and um, and the kids are teaming up against the dad, played by the very funny Damon Wayans. And uh, listen closely; you'll hear your Star Wars reference. A family coup, how intriguing. <laughs> and who's the mastermind behind all this? You can talk to me. Idiot, I mean, okay. <laughs> well, let me put it to you this way, in a way that you can understand. Think of me as Darth Vader, and this is my empire. The last thing you want is for the empire to strike back. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Unfortunately, yeah. it, it did. The Star Wars reference did not get as big a laugh as "idiot." I mean, but um, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to file that little uh, Darth Vader Empire Strikes Back reference. I'm going to put that in my back pocket next time my kids act up. So, right. Thanks a lot for Lizzie and her little sister for turning us onto that, and um, and uh, God bless you for uh, for uh, enjoying Star Wars and the Clone Wars, and yes, even the EU. One more pop culture reference here. We don't have any audio to go with it because it's a visual reference. This comes from David S. in Alaska. He says, hey, guys, found a really, really odd Star Wars and pop culture reference. In one of the newest UPS commercials, the number 1138 clearly appears identifying a package front and center. And you can find it 18 seconds into the commercial. It could just be a coincidence, but... I bet one of the effects guys loved Star Wars and threw it in there. Anyway, 
Sorry it is an audio, but hopefully you guys will find this kind of cool. Star Wars is everywhere, and yes, it is cool. Um, he doesn't give us a link to the spot or anything, but uh, check out maybe a UPS website. They have some Star Wars commercials on it, and, or just w- when you're watching TV and a UPS spot comes on, look closely for the number 1138. And you know what? I don't think it's coincidence. I agree with David S., Star Wars is everywhere, and I bet one of the makers, producers of that commercial threw that one in there on purpose. So thanks to everyone who contributed this week to Star Wars and pop culture. All right, and we want to thank, while we're thanking folks, uh, the great Audible.com for their support of the Forcecast. They've been with us for a long time. If you haven't heard about Audible, you should. They are the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio, entertainment, information, and educational programming. And, of course, your number one source for the latest and greatest bestsellers and all the way down to the classics. I mean, audiobooks galore. And in addition to audiobooks, they got all kinds of stuff. Great political speeches, podcasts, you name it. They have it. And here's the deal. Audio content downloaded from their website, then played back on you know, your PC. You can burn it to CDs. Or, of course, most folks have portable media players that they uh, that they upload to. And it works great with iPhone, iPod, uh, the Android uh, operating system. Also very well supported. They have apps for those phones as well as uh, iOS devices. And uh, there's a format, a file format for just about any device you can imagine. I mean, what can't play an MP3, you know? I mean, they've even got them for GPS units. And uh, you don't have to have an iPhone, an iPod, an iPad, an Android, or a smartphone of any kind to enjoy these. You can just play them right on your computer or, like I said, burn them to a CD. They've got it. If if there's a file format that exists, they have it. Over 80,000 hours of different programs available from over 270 content providers. And, uh, you know, some of the benefits, if you're listening to the Forcecast, you know what it's like to be able to carry hours, hours of riveting entertainment in your pocket. So you listen wherever, whenever you want, just like the Forcecast. Uh, like I said, 80,000 hours to choose from. Every genre Audible has it covered, uh, including over 1,000 different science and technology uh, uh, titles and 1,100 sci-fi and fantasy titles, with more being added all the time, and heaps of Star Wars. So Lizzie, if you're listening out there, Audible is a great way to get started in that EU that you're referring to. And uh, here's what you, I want you to do. I want you to go to audiblepodcast.com slash TFN. That's audiblepodcast.com slash TFN and sign up today and uh, get a free audiobook download of your choice. Absolutely free, whatever you want it to be. That's audiblepodcast.com slash TFN. Stay involved and you'll uh, rack up points and uh, be uh, before you know it, you'll be swimming in all kinds of great audiobook titles. If you decide not to stay involved, you still get to keep that introductory title. It's always there in your library, always available for you to download and re-download as many times and as often as you need. So uh, check them out, audiblepodcast.com slash TFN. If you're already involved or if for whatever reason you can't sign up, Follow them on Twitter. They are at audible underscore com. And we would love for you to thank them for their sponsorship of your favorite podcast, The Forcecast. So once again, that's at audible underscore com. The URL for that free book, audiblepodcast.com slash TFN. And just a note, too, if your company or business would like to be featured here on The Forcecast, send an email to us, forcecast at forcecast.net. I have good news for you, my lord. That's 
good news. Come closer, I have good news. You know, I was accused earlier of my Carrie Fisher impression sounding like George Lucas. But you know what? <laughs> you know what? It's not far off, is it? <laughs> I certainly don't want to see George in a metal bikini anytime soon, let me tell you. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Maybe not in a metal bikini, but what if, what, what if that's what it took, Jim, to see George Lucas, Jeffrey Katzenberg, James Cameron... All together in a panel, if you had to endure the notorious GL sporting that gold bikini, would it be worth it? If I could get into that event, I would wear a metal bikini. <laughs> They're all wearing metal bikinis. Well, anyway, no, that's right. James Cameron, Jeffrey Katzenberg, George Lucas, and Chris Melodandry. Melodandry. I don't know this Chris Melodandry. Who is this guy? Chris is a he's a big time player in animation. I, I know he was. Um, uh, president of Dawn Steel Productions at uh, that's a Walt Disney Pictures um, mm. subsidiary. Um, he's been involved in such films as Ice Age, Robots, The Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Simpsons movie. Oh, okay, uh, all right. So big, big Doctor Se- Okay, he, he's a he's a player when it comes to animated films. He's right. a big time player. Well, I mean, he needs to be. He's on stage with Katzenberg, Cameron, and Lucas. And it's, I mean, it's like, I feel like that could have been my name up there. I never, no offense, I've never heard of the man, but uh, maybe that's more of a reflection on me. Anyway, all four of these guys are going to be on stage discussing all aspects of digital cinema at where? Where? CinemaCon. What? Yeah, I've that's never heard for- of CinemaCon. That's the for- of course. That's the former Show West. Right, Remember it the used show to West? be Show West, right. But you know what? New name. New name, the National Association of Theater Owners is now in full control of the show, and the show's called CinemaCon. And uh, I don't, this is not open to the public. I think they need to be careful. The CinemaCon sounds like it's something you and I could go to. Exactly. But I don't exactly. think we can, unless we buy a theater. But we could buy some podunk theater, some rundown shack. We'd be those guys showing up to this every year. Oh, jeez. Look <laughs> <laughs> these guys that own these big multiplexes, and there's you and me. <laughs> Listen, we'll, we'll buy a theater. We'll call it the Force Castle. We'll do the the podcast there, and we'll you know constantly be screening Star Wars films, Clone Wars episodes, anything you know, just round the clock. Yeah, people can just live there. You know, we'll just we'll live there. Right, like um, a big commune you know, for Star Wars fans. Right. Maybe there'll be, you know, um, like a, we could put a, a fire department pole there and we could slide down the pole and do the force cast and, uh, you know, for a, a crowd of tens. Right. And uh, <laughs> I love this. I love this. We'll at least be able to get into uh, CinemaCon. But anyway, March 28th through the yeah. 31st in Las Vegas. And uh, they're going to be talking about digital cinema. This is going to be on March 30th. So hopefully, uh, are you listening, StarWars.com? Are you listening? Um, it would be great to have some audio from that that we yeah. will, of course, use for the forecast. But if you guys can make that happen for us, that would be swell. I hope somebody gets uh, some audio or there's uh, some. I'm sure there will be big, big mainstream media coverage. And uh, then a bunch of trolls will comment at the bottom about everything that George says at this thing. But, but I mean, clearly this is, this, this is a stage of giants here they're going to be talking about. I mean, you know, these guys are interested. I mean, George, I, I can't speak for the other cats because I don't really know who they are. But 
George, um, at least on this topic, but George is a true believer, man. He is a TB, true believer in the power of communal viewing of cinema. George Lucas does not want, despite despite the progress that in-home theater uh, has made over the last you know decade or so, he does not want to see that communal experience go away, nor does he believe it ever will. But he understands that these theater owners need to get off the stick and they need to raise the bar, whether it's 3D what, or IMAX, whatever it is, to, to widen that gap between the home experience and the theatrical experience. And so uh, yeah. I'm sure that'll be a big part of, of this talk. Jim, and George is very outspoken about that. Oh, extremely so, and and especially on the topic of digital cinema. I mean, we all know he's a pioneer as far as that goes, especially when he shot the entirety of episodes two and three digitally. Uh, I really thought that that would lead to a much more widespread expansion of digital cinema. I mean, analog filmmaking is still the most popular way of going about it. Here we are almost 10 years after the release of attack of the clones when they were actually, you know, a lot of big multiplexes were actually converting individual theaters within their buildings to digital. So they can show a digital presentation of attack of the clones. Um, I saw it digitally. I saw both episodes two and three presented digitally and it made a big difference. It's cheaper. It's quicker. Uh, you can edit right away. You can edit on the fly. Uh, I just am amazed that Hollywood has been so slow to adapt. But, you know, uh, Hollywood is a community of artists. And sometimes when you tell an artist to use a different sort of paintbrush or a different sort of canvas, you're going to be dealing with a lot of resistance. And that's the case. Now, I, I'm still just very surprised to this day and age that we haven't seen full-on conversion to digital. But, um, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be happening here maybe in the next hundred years. It seems yeah. like that's the pace we're on. Uh, digital is more widespread nowadays than it was back in 2002 when Attack of the Clones came out. But um, I really thought that Star Wars, the prequels, were going to shepherd in a whole new era of digital filmmaking and and di- especially digital projection and it hasn't it, it it really hasn't you go to your your typical movie theaters uh you'll be lucky to find a, a digital cinema in your your market and uh the majority uh, overwhelming majority still uses good old fashioned film yeah. i'm not condemning a good old fashioned film but uh just economically speaking i find it hard to believe that it digital cinema hasn't caught on yeah. and that's what shows like show west are all about that's why they have these panels of these these major visionaries and pioneers in filmmaking george has been and... beating this drum for quite some time so yes. has so james cameron um i remember them both making some waves about 3d uh recently uh or at least in the last couple of years of course that was in all the lead up to avatar and uh and james cameron's film so by the way i still haven't seen that i have not seen have you seen avatar jim Yes, I did. I, I saw it, you know, the whole big digital 3D IMAX yeah. experience, and uh, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I, I thought it was a good time. Um, it, it didn't have the, the cultural impact or just the personal impact on me that a, a film like Star Wars did, which, you know, it, the, the obvious com- comparisons were there when it was released. Yep. But uh, no, I didn't it- think it was that bad a film. Um, 
it, it was. It did not. You know what? You know what? Amazing. I think the problem is. I think you know what I think the problem is is that you didn't. George Lucas did not set out to create a cultural phenomenon. You cannot set out to do that. You can't sit down and say, "I'm going to write the next Star Wars. I'm going to create the next Star Wars." If you go in doing it, it's you're never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's lightning in a bottle. You know, it's so hard to, to to pinpoint exactly what it was that did that. And I felt in the lead up that Cameron was almost that that was his mission. That was his goal. I'm going to create this thing. It's going to be a huge franchise. There's going to be lots of sequels. There's going to be lots of merchandise. I'm going to do this. That's what I it just felt like that to me. I almost speak for the man, but that's what it felt like. Like he was chasing this, you know, this this goal that that is, uh, you know, very, very, very few have ever have ever um, achieved. Yeah, it just didn't have the impact on me personally. I'll tell you that, you know, the main thing is, and I'm just going to use this as one example. The day I walked out of the theater after seeing Star Wars for the first time, I never forgot the names Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Chewbacca, Han Solo, Princess Leia. They, they, were, they were just burned into my, my psyche forever. Here we are only 14 months after the release of Avatar, and I cannot name a single character from that film <laughs> it's, uh, no kidding wow yeah so it just you know it didn't have it didn't have that kind of impact visually it was outstanding it was amazing and uh it was a, a real treat to watch but it came and went and it'll come back again and then it'll go away again and mm. you know he'll pocket another 700 million dollars or whatever it is so oh, yeah, can make yeah, his yeah. one and so on and so on no, and, and no, i don't no mean tears. to diminish Cameron's yeah. contributions to to 3d and special effects and everything but that's all it was was just a big buffet of special effects and light on the plot light on the characters well, you know, we've been talking a lot, uh, especially on the Clone Wars roundtables, of course, about writer Christian Taylor, uh, who has written some really, really heavy episodes of, of the series. Well, he had an opportunity to sit down with the folks from CNET.com, and uh, there are just some interesting things here. Now, Christian Taylor, I didn't really know this till I read this uh, interview, and also has some writing credits with, uh, on Lost, uh, Six Feet Under. But who a guy who describes himself as Star Wars obsessive uh, found himself writing for the Clone Wars. And um, the question posed by CNET, can you talk about what it's like to be in meetings with Lucas? Now, if you go to StarWars.com and you watch Dave's commentaries, you'll inevitably see a, some, some B-roll footage of them all in the writer's room. And you'll actually see Christian uh, several times, blonde-haired guy with the glasses, uh, usually sitting across from Dave. And so it's like, what is it actually like to be in that room? And uh, Taylor says, well, I've been doing this for three years now, and it never gets old. It's both surreal and completely ordinary at the same time. He's great fun and more mischievous than people give him credit for. He's also incredibly smart, so it's never boring. I loved Star Wars as a kid, like all my peers. I was talking to my sister over the Christmas holidays, and she said, imagine if you could talk to your 10-year-old self and tell him what you'd be doing when you grow up. Sometimes I pinch myself, but it's a fantastic job. He goes on to talk about uh, the episodes that he wrote. He says, the first episodes I wrote were epic and dealt with the Force, of course, the whole Mortis trilogy. You don't get to do that every day as a writer. What's amazing about writing this show is you can write it and then they can build it, literally. 
Most shows I've worked on are an endless game of compromise. On most TV budgets and schedules, you could never achieve what we do dramatically and physically on Clone Wars. I think, Jim, that's one thing we sort of take for granted, you know, as, as, as watchers of this show, is just how, I mean, you know, we might get a little frustrated with maybe some of the limitations in the models, you know, that you can't have rapid, you know, costume changes and stuff like that. But, but um, there's also a lot of huge advantages to, to the way that they produce this show. And that's what's great about being able to expand your creativity to its full potential is knowing that you have, you have the technology backing you up. And, and you know for a fact that George had to take that considerable period of time off between the end of Return of the Jedi to the release of The Phantom Menace because he was waiting for technology to catch up with his imagination. Finally, with the release of Jurassic Park, ILM said, look, we can do this photorealistic animation. That's when George sat down and started putting pencil to paper and writing the prequels again. So you see it continue on here now with the animated Clone Wars. Their imagination and creativity cannot be limited by the technology because the technology now is a wide open arena to where they can really push the envelope as far as they can. And you see how ambitious these episodes of the Clone Wars have been. We've we've referred to many times on the on the program, but just to kind of you know go back in time for some of the folks that are new to the show. You watch some of that behind the scenes footage of Episode One, and you watch George up there with the with the storyboards, and there's and there's John Knoll, and George, and, and you can tell they're really not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> that they can pull this off you know what i mean i mean there's this you know george is like oh this guy's real and this guy oh you know he might be this or he might and he's going through and he's got the 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 highlighters and he's and and there's just this look of i I don't know about panic's not the right word but there's just this look like oh you know i mean and it's it's really a a, a wonderful moment if you haven't gone back and watched some of those documentaries or ever watched them i i really advise that you do because it's such a great fly on the wall position and it seems like that's george's style you know, we write it, you guys create it. And it seems like it's trickled down to the Clone Wars as well. Exactly, exactly. As, as you get yourself revved up for the release of Phantom Menace in 3D next February, why don't you dust off those old DVDs, especially the Phantom Menace, and watch some of those documentaries? Because, Jason, the scene you're talking about, this is in the long-form documentary on the DVD called The Beginning. Mm-hmm. And it features George coming into a conference room there on the ranch, and they have all the storyboards on th- this foam core board, and they have them up on an easel. And George is standing there with two colors of a highlighter. One color, yellow, represents the set and the live action, and then the pink highlighter represents all the animation and effects. And you just see these, I mean, these wizards at ILM absolutely poop in their pants is George <laughs> going from storyboard to storyboard. And John Knoll even comments, he says, boy, you know, we're sitting there, we're looking at one storyboard going, well, how are we going to do that? And then we move to the next storyboard. And again, it's, well, how are we going to do that? Right. But yeah, but- yet, what's incredible is they rose to the challenge and they created the technology to make it all possible. And that very technology is still being used today to, you know, great, great uh, success with all sort of ILM productions and, and elsewhere. Now, the question sometimes folks might want to ask is, if, could I be a writer on The Clone Wars? Could I write it? Because, you know, I've read every expanded universe novel. I've read every comic. I know it all. But is that what it takes? Is that what it takes? And uh, Christian Taylor says, I think one of the reasons I've succeeded as a writer on The Clone Wars is that I know Star Wars well, but 
am not a fan as such. I really have no understanding or comprehension of the entire universe that is the books, comics, video games, etc. I know the movies and love the characters. Uh, that would be a lot to live up to and would confuse my brain. I write the, from character and always try to be sincere and true and emotional when writing them. I have no idea what droid is called what. There are far better people to audit that. Writing in such a beloved universe is like standing on a cliff's edge. If you look down and see all the fans, you'd lose your nerve and get serious writer's block. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty uh, profound statement there. And I think that... I'm okay with that. You know, I mean, I'm I'm a guy, I don't know one uh, clone trooper from the next, quite honestly. Uh, I just don't see in that way. I've talked about it. But I do know those characters. I do know those characters. Uh, you know, I feel like I've, I've literally grown up with them. And so that's who I want writing my Star Wars. I don't give a hill of beans whether they know what the vehicle's called or they know what the, you know, exactly how the technology works and how many crystals are in this thing or whatever. I want them to write from the character. And I think that's why the Mortis trilogy for me worked so well is because you could tell this was a guy that did understand these characters and what made them tick, particularly Anakin and Obi-Wan. Yeah. I, f- I find that very interesting too, because, uh, you know, have, having knowledge can actually handcuff you to a certain degree. If you're trying to create something new and fresh and unique, if you keep going in your head, like, well, this has been done uh, in this book and it's been done that way. And, all that, you know, what, what happens in writer's block, which is like the two words any writer never wants to face, writer's block, you know, because you, you get, you're not letting it flow, you know, you're, you're, you're being held back by what's already come ahead of you. And what we want here from the Clone Wars is we want fresh Star Wars. So, you know, I mean, I like it when they put in little nods to the EU here and there, but I also respect the fact that it's ah, not handcuffed. But what he's saying, what he's saying is there are people that can do that. They can add the flavoring. You know, he's providing the the meat there, you know, and there, you know what? There are people that are far more qualified than he to come in and then just do a little bit of seasoning here and there. You know what I mean? And that's what I like. I like that they yeah. build it from that perspective rather than, all right, well, how are we going to capture, you know, hey, let's do a story about this character from the EU just to please these folks. You know, I like that it's all about, uh, you know, that they take it from, from, the, from the other angle. So um, uh, here's, a, here's a good question. Now, this kind of dovetails a little bit into what we've been talking about, some of these quote-unquote haters. But we know, we know the folks out there. The question is, what's your sense of whether old-school Star Wars fans accept Star Wars, the Clone Wars, as a legitimate part of the story? Old-school being, you know, folks who were old enough to see the original films when they first came out, people like Jimmy Mack, myself. Uh, Christian says, you know, it's funny. I tell people, writers, directors, and executives that I have meetings with what I'm doing, and they are so jealous i think a lot of people my age are watching it with their kids and getting to relive the world through two perspectives their own and their kids many more people are watching it than i thought guilty pleasure or not it's somewhat a place to come home to the fans love the show if for no other reason that you know it's star wars and they know george lucas has been in every single story meeting as we get better at telling the stories so does the drama if they have a problem with the direction of the show they should call george lol so again, reiterating just how you know in tune and involved uh, the notorious GL is in all of this, and um, you know he's saying, "Hey, look, uh, it's George. It's George's show. It's George's show." But what, what about that Filoni guy? What about that Filoni guy? When asked about Dave, he says, "I think people just don't realize how involved George is. Also, how amazing Dave Filoni is. I call him the James Cameron of animation." 
What the artists are doing on the show has never been done before, period. The show is really groundbreaking and an honor to write for. Rarely in my career have I ever handed over a script and later thought, they really... and, and Rarely in my career have I handed over a script and later thought, they really made that cool. Dave and his team really do that. So... um Anyway, just uh, great stuff there at CNET.com. So check it out, the interview with Christian Taylor. And it's a nice kind of uh, a bird's eye perspective of what it's like to be a writer on The Clone Wars. So uh, please uh, go. Uh, we'll probably hit, we'll see if we can get that up on our blog or something because it's a, it's a great story. Or just do actually if you just do a Google search for what is this title here? Uh, the Force is Strong with Clone Wars writer. And the writer uh, at CNET is Daniel Turdeman. It's an unfortunate name. <laughs> As I read that, that's an unfortunate name. Anyway, all right. Well, we were talking to James Arnold Taylor earlier. And, of course, one of the big, big stories for Star Wars fans as we wrap up Season 3 of The Clone Wars is the return of Chewbacca the Wookiee. That's right. Chewie, back in Star Wars. Get ready for the return of a legend. A hairy, hairy legend. Pretty awesome. Don't miss Chewbacca in the special one-hour season finale of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Friday, April 1st at 8, 7 central on Cartoon Network. All right. um, Like I said, we were talking to James earlier, and he was alluding to some of the footage that you can see at StarWars.com. Actually, I don't know if it's at StarWars.com. I thought these were, these might have been the Entertainment Weekly exclusive clips. Uh, Jim, this is the stuff, the behind the scenes stuff that you can see where Dave Filoni and Clone Wars crew actually brought Peter in uh, as they were faced with the challenge of, of, of creating a digital Clone Wars version of Chewbacca. And who better to sit down and talk to uh, than, of course, the guy who gave life to Chewbacca, uh, Peter Mayhew. And it's not just about, you know, no, Peter does not do the voice. But it's about the walk. It's about uh, the, 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 just the, the body language and the movement that they were trying to capture and then getting to know Peter and what was behind making some of those choices so that they can make those same choices in the animated version. And we've got some great audio here of, uh, of Peter talking about his experience with the Clone Wars folks. When he comes around and they say, What's that? There's something there. Yeah. Gradually, as he unfolds, you see the hair come back, and it's a Wookiee. You know, with you and George, I know when you watch it, you'll know the difference. There's a certain way the character is, and it's not just the big, hairy, Sasquatch guy. There's a real character there. And Everything is right. The face is great. You guys have done a wonderful job. <laughs> that was actually Peter's reaction after he initially saw... The Clone Wars version of Chewie for the first time. And it's it's a really nice piece of video. You can catch it at Entertainment Weekly's website. Of course, you can find a link for that on theforce.net. And uh, other interesting insights that Peter gives the animators about the character of Chewie that you never really noticed before. But this is just stuff, you know, Peter knows because he knows the character. He knows the costume. He knows the mask so well. Little things like you never actually see Chewie's mouth closed all the way. It's always open just a little bit if you know when he's not speaking. No. It's just 
always open. And then this is something like only Peter Mayhew can describe. He, he explains how, how Chewie walks. You hear him in that clip. He says the way Chewie sort of unfolds because when they first reveal him in the Clone Wars, he, he kind of comes up from a crouch and he fully, you know, stands up straight. And it is Chewie. I mean, you really see the research that went into creating the character on the Clone Wars because they brought in Peter Mayhew and studied the way he moves and and listen to Peter's advice on how to capture Chewie's movements and his walk and everything about Chewie and the eyes, especially the eyes. The first time I met Peter, I was really just struck by his eyes. That's when I said, oh, my God, this is Chewbacca. And, you know, of course, it helps that Peter's done so much to sort of cultivate his look to actually become a real <laughs> Wookiee with that big mop of hair he's got. Incredible. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's just that, that little extra step that the Clone Wars crew, guys like Filoni and Joel Aaron and uh, Carrie Silver, the, the very talented crew behind the Clone Wars, you know, they, they go that extra step. They bring in Peter Mayhew and get his opinion, his advice, and his insight into what makes the character of Chewbacca Chewbacca. Well, and these guys are fans and they want to hang out with Chewie, right? <laughs> they want to do a good job, and they also want to hang out with Chewie. So, Who doesn't uh, want to yeah. hang out with Chewie? You know, just recently, um, it was uh, one of those kids' award shows. Um, boy, the name is escaping me. Uh, I did catch it. It was on Cartoon Network. Chewbacca was featured on it. Um, and it Well, he clearly- did get the Lifetime Achievement Award at the uh, MTV Film Awards many, many years ago. I think he right, might have been one of the first a, ones. This is a brand new thing. I saw it on StarWars.com. I believe it was that one week off uh, after the, uh, the first episode of the Citadel trilogy. Recall they took a week off on Cartoon Network. And uh, instead of showing an episode of The Clone Wars, they had this award show. And I'm really sorry. I cannot tell you what the name of it was. I... I, I, hmm. I saw the tease on starwars.com and it's just said chewy to appear in this kid award show it was like a video game award show or something along those lines and i watched it i saw the chewy appearance and it was so clearly not peter mayhew i mean the guy was big was the chewbacca costume um i don't think it was uh one from the actual films but it was so clearly not Chewbacca. I believe the 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 uh, the show was called the Hall of Game Awards Show. Uh, Jovial J coming to the rescue there with an instant message. Um, Peter brings so much to the character of Chewbacca. From his walk is Chewbacca's walk. His eyes are Chewbacca's eyes, and his body is Chewbacca's body. The man is Chewbacca. It's really incredible. And so I say hats off to the Clone Wars team for really going that extra mile and bringing Peter up to the ranch and sitting down and talking with him and essentially getting his approval for their version of Chewbacca. But what would baby Chewbacca sound like? What would baby Chewbacca sound like? <laughs> okay. John Halen posted on our uh, on our Facebook page, the official uh, Forcecast fan page, facebook.com slash Forcecast, posted a link to a YouTube video. And uh, this guy, the guy that posted this, this is Morboz S. 
whatever that whatever that is. And he says, this is the description of the video. He says, this is me and my daughter and girlfriend playing sounds uh, that sounded like Chewbacca. And then the little girl, this is three and a half months old, started to sound like Chewbacca, just like her daddy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you what, the guy's doing a really good job, and uh, you know what? The little girl, she's not too bad either. That's amazing. Three and a half months old to try to mimic like that. That's very, very, very cool stuff. See, baby Chewbacca. If you ever wondered, what did you, what did you little Chewie sound like in in the crib there on Kashyyyk? Might have gotten you close. Now, this is an email. We've been sitting on this for a long time, this email. And uh, what a great time to, uh, to, to read it. This is from Faithful Forecast listener Owen. He writes, Dear Forecast, last October I got a week off from school for vacation, so my dad and I decided to go down to Orlando for a few days. When we got to the hotel, when my dad went to the park, I learned that the convention center across the street was where you and a bunch of other Star Wars fans, a few of us, uh, sp- <laughs> spent a few days in August for Celebration 5. But it got better. I learned from a bellhop that Peter Mayhem. Now, he writes, <laughs> Peter <Hey>. Mayhem. <laughs> he means, of course, Peter Mayhew. But I kind of like Peter Mayhem better. Peter Mayhem, yeah. uh, Chewbacca, stayed at the hotel. But it gets even better. He stayed in my room. What could be better? So I pretty much was what sleeping be- with Chewbacca. <laughs> Did he find like loose hair in the bed, you know, there in the sheets? He's going to have to have it analyzed to see if it's truly Wookiee hair. He says, but this is what tops it all. When I found out uh, all of this, when I found all of this out, I was wearing, get this, my Chewbacca shirt my mom got for my trip from Target. Now, that's a bit ironic, don't you think? When I went to the Kennedy Space yeah. Center, I ran into an, to a classmate from school. When I told him the story, his face looked as if an Adat Walker had just stepped on his speeder. But when I told <laughs> my teacher this, he thought I met him and wouldn't stop asking me what he was like. After a few minutes of explaining the whole thing, he finally got what I was talking about. But the trip will be one I won't forget. Hope to see you guys at Celebration 6, if we're alive still. Well, what does what that, that mean? Means. I don't know. Owen's very dark. There's a dark side to to Owen. Peter's going to hunt us down and rip our arms out of our sockets. I guess that's. <laughs> I don't know. May the force be with you, Owen. Uh, thanks for that uh, email, and I'm glad that you got your teacher uh, caught up to speed. That you didn't actually meet Peter Mayhew Mayhem, but uh, you were you were sleeping in the same bed as the man where he stayed for Celebration Five. Very very cool stuff. And you know what? It's always a thrill. To meet Chewbacca, even if it's just, you know, a few hairs at the bottom Chewbacca. of the bed. All right, one more story here for you. We just, you know, we can't leave these out. Just one, one more. It's unthinkable. I'm not going to let this one go because there's a Glee reference in here. And any chance I get to make Jimmy Mac talk about Glee, we're going to do. So, Jimmy Mac. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. We got an email here from Rapscallion. That's who signed this email, Rapscallion. He says, hey, guys, 
I was listening to last week's show, and something you played reminded me of something I heard about years ago. In your Glee clip, there was a joke about people confusing James Earl Jones and James Earl Ray. I looked up the article I read and found it was from way back in 2002. James Earl Jones was receiving an award for speaking at a Martin Luther King Jr. celebration. When the plaque came, it was inscribed with the name. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. James Earl Ray. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about a Martin Luther King Jr. celebration. James O'Ray, of course, uh, <laughs> infamous, sadly, for being the man who assassinated the great Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. So could yeah. you imagine oh. being at this celebration for Martin Luther King and James Earl Jones is up there to receive an award for all of his humanitarian efforts in the name of racial... Um, Equality, I, I you know, all of that, all of that good stuff, racial equality, yes. all of that stuff. Uh-huh. And they, they give them a plaque <laughs> and it's inscribed with the name of the man who actually murdered Dr. Martin Luther King. That is sick. And as Rapskillian says, it's a slight gaffe to say the least. So, uh, wow. Unbelievable. Outrageous. Unthinkable. And here's the clip from Glee. From last week that made Rapscallion remember this terrible story. This morning I woke up and decided to swallow the sun. It's my James Earl Jones impression. First of all, that is offensive. He shot Martin Luther King. What an unfortunate event. My gosh. Believable. The plaque itself actually stated, thank you, James Earl Ray, for keeping the dream alive. (laughs) Unbelievable. Outrageous. Unthinkable. It was... uh, it was uh, that's that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Uh, You know, I I, I wonder if James Earl, if James Earl Jones played it cool. I wonder if he played it cool. I mean, you would... <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, well, big, big thanks to our buddy James Arnold Taylor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Plo Koon, and that other guy. What's his name? I just I just blanked. I just blanked. The big villain from the <laughs> Citadel so trilogy. Thank you, O.C. So- Sobek. Oh, goodness gracious. Anyway, big thanks to James Arnold Taylor for coming on the show and playing with us here on the Forcecast. We appreciate it. Him taking the time out so much. Check out James this summer. Starting this May, Star Wars weekends at Walt Disney. And uh, he's going to be doing a little bit from his one-man show. And he even threatened about having some bloopers or some outtakes, maybe from those Clone Wars recording sessions. Anyway, anytime James Arnold Taylor's around, you're going to have a good time, that's for sure. So check him out. If you'd like to be part of the Forcecast, you can do that. Send us an email, forcecast at forcecast.net. The voicemail line, 330-754-05FC. That's 330-754-05FC. On the Twitter, as Jimmy Matt calls it, you'll find us at Forcecast. That's at Forcecast. 
Don't forget about our Facebook page. What? I call it the Twitter. The Twitter. The Twitter. You you seem to always call it the Twitter. Yeah. The Twitter. (laughs) The Twitter. (laughs) Our Facebook page on the Facebook is facebook.com slash forestcast. You can preview what's coming up on Forestcast Live. Check out pics to Jimmy Mac Star Wars Room. You know what? Still going strong. You haven't seen all of Jimmy Mac Star Wars Room yet. New picks coming up all the time. And I like, Jim, that some of your picks are timely. You know, you time these picks <laughs> I, out. Uh, what was the one that you did most recently? Uh, it was kind of a Clone Wars homage to that one. What was that? A recent pick. Well, you know, uh, I just I was just uh, looking at all the action figures, and uh, I was feeling a, a bit of melancholy as I realized we had lost Clone Trooper Echo, and we'd also lost Jedi Master Peel. In the last uh, trilogy, the Citadel trilogy, so I decided to take a, a portrait shot of the two together and put it up there. And, and granted, I put it up on uh, late Sunday night after the Clone Wars had aired about four times that weekend, and I still got the uh, spoilers, dude, spoilers. <laughs> but uh, hey, listen, if you haven't seen the Clone Wars the first couple times it's on then uh, you got to expect the spoilers anytime you open up your internet browser. I, for one, don't even look at the internet until after I've seen that episode of The Clone Wars. But my apologies to those who feel I crossed the line by paying tribute to two of those great heroes from The Clone Wars. And uh, you know what? I will give myself a plaque inscribed to James Earl Ray in memory of that gaffe iTunes, great place to subscribe and review the Forcecast. Go to iTunes, write us a review, and subscribe to all your favorite Star Wars podcasts on the Forcecast Network. Our website, the official home, your source, your place for all things and everything Forcecast, Forcecast.net. Read our blog, check out our photos, all the shows are there in our archives. All the roundtables, almost three seasons worth, exclusive interviews, Star Wars biggins, like Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, George Lucas, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, Peter Mayhem, uh, Mayhew, (laughs) several interviews with Peter, always a good time to talk to him, and those are all available at forcecast.net. The Galaxy of Music episodes, all our convention coverage, links to our forums, the editorials project, a great one just posted. As part of that, you can send your submissions to eric at theforce.net. Don't forget about our smartphone apps available for iOS and Android devices. Check them out in the Apple App Store and the Android Marketplace. Very handy to have on your smartphone or tablet, PC, whatever the heck these kids call it these days. You're never, never far away from the Force Cast. And that's the way we like it. No fan left behind. That's going to do it for us this week. We'll see you next time. We love you so much. For the Force Cast, I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always.
This podcast is not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names and sounds of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Force.net LLC unless otherwise indicated.